Hi, I'm Leonard Maltin, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Here we are with episode 507 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, and our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have the honor of having Leonard Malton join us. Leonard is, of course, a film critic, was on Entertainment Tonight as the movie reviewer for them. He is the, uh, a movie historian. He also writes uh, Leonard Malton's Movie Guide, which is the Bible that you would want to find out anything about a movie. you got to check that out and uh, so many other things. Leonard is going to be joining us in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. It's an honor to have him with us. And uh, as we get into that in a few minutes, it's time to get into Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, Thomas Mann from Kong Skull Island fame has joined the cast of Disney's live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp, and he will play Lady's human owner, Jim Deere. And Michael Penna has signed on to play Dora the Explorer's dad in the live-action movie remake. And Roland Emmerich will retell the story of Midway. The epic World War II film will star Nick Jonas, Aaron Eckhart, and Dennis Quaid. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Upcoming new movies, Mark Wahlberg will star in a comedy called Instant Family. It will arrive on November 16th this year, and it's about a family that adopts three wild kids. Benicio Del Toro will star in Oliver Stone's new drama, White Lies. Filming starts this spring, and Hilary Swank will star in a noir thriller called Fatale. And the film starts filming next month. And it's about a married man who is tricked into a murder scheme. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, Crazy Rich Asians will be getting a China Rich Girlfriend sequel. That's right, that's the second book in the series. And of course, the first one was so big, they're going to make another to follow it up. And Danny Boyle, unfortunately, will not be directing the next James Bond film. We'll keep you updated on who gets that job. And a sixth Pirates of the Caribbean film is now in the works. And they're saying, without Johnny Depp, it ain't gonna happen. 
So we'll see what happens. And coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, September 4th, Young Sheldon, Season 1, hits Blu-ray and DVD. Also on September 4th, Timeless, Season 2, hits DVD. And October 23rd, The Americans, Season 6, lands on DVD. And that's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, Exorcist 2, The Heretic, comes our way on September 25th in a two-disc set with all sorts of extras, and that's uh, the 1977 film. The dark comedy, Under the Tree, arrives on Digital HD on October 9th as Neighbors Fight Neighbors, and on September 25th, the dance movie drama All Styles hits digital and DVD. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, a new Lionsgate-produced show, Norm MacDonald has a show on Netflix. For some reason, I want to say E-I-E-I-O after that, but anyways. Uh, anyways, season one will be ten episodes, one hour long, and it starts on September 14th on Netflix. And MTV has green-lighted The Hill's New Beginnings with the original cast members, uh, and that's coming our way in 2019. And sad news, The Big Bang Theory will be ending officially after Season 12. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. Celebrity birthdays on August 24th. Rupert Grint turns 30, and he's from Harry Potter, of course. And August 25th, Blake Lively turns 31. Tim Burton turns 60. And Sean Connery, the James Bond, turns 88. And on August 26th, Chris Pine turns 38, and Melissa McCarthy turns 48. And on August 27th, Aaron Paul turns 39. And on August 28th, Jack Black turns 49, Shania Twain turns 53. And on August 30th, Cameron Diaz turns 46. And that's it for Celebrity Birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, didn't have any come in. But if you, a friend or relative, are going to be having a birthday, send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And we will be sure to wish you a very happy birthday and celebrate it with all the listeners all over the world right here on On Screen and Beyond. So be sure to do that. And uh, that's it for Celebrity Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have the honor of having Leonard Malton joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Film critic and movie historian extraordinaire, Leonard Malton's movie guide. Just so many things he's done, and he knows everything about film. <laughs> That's all we can say. Leonard Malton, next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, we have the honor of having... As our guest, a well-known movie critic and movie historian guru who for years was the movie reviewer on Entertainment Tonight. 
He has written many books on film, including his popular movie guide, which is a must for every film buff. And he will be honored at this year's California Independent Film Festival, which runs from Friday, August 24th through September 1st in Orinda, California at the beautiful Orinda Theater. It's Leonard Malton. Leonard, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Uh, thank you. Now, Leonard, it's really a pleasure to have you. Uh, since this show is, is geared toward movies and, and all TV shows and things like that, and to have you on here is like having, you know, <laughs> the ultimate. <laughs> oh, the ultimate in what? <laughs> You're very kind. It's very flattering, and I appreciate it. Now, Leonard, where, when did you decide in your life that movies, reviewing, and, and, and history was going to be what you were going to go uh, to do? Well, the last step was reviewing. What really got me uh, hooked and turned on as a kid was movie history. Uh, and I, I have television to thank for that, mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, I, I grew up at a time in the first... I'm a baby boomer. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in the first TV generation. And what did they use to fill up all the airtime they needed to fill, especially in, in the New York metropolitan area where there were seven TV stations? That was a lot in, in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, they used old movies. And for children's entertainment, they used old cartoons and old comedy shorts with Laurel and Hardy and the Little Rascals, our gang, later the Three Stooges. Uh, even on the old Howdy Doody TV show, they used to show silent comedy clips. Mm -hmm. So uh, TV did me uh, a great service by exposing me to all of this stuff. Yep. And, and, and then I was curious. I was a curious kid. I loved to read. My local library was walking distance of our house. And I went there and took out every book there was to, to, to find on uh, movie history, and there weren't many of them then. I would take some of them out, read them, read them again, return them, and then take them out again. <laughs> huh. So what were you watching as far as TV shows back then? Oh, well, I was a TV junkie growing up. Mm -hmm. So I, I watched all the kiddie shows, but then I watched all the... Uh, uh, all that half-hour com. I mean, I was watching I Love Lucy and uh, the Andy Griffith show and uh, darn near anything that was on. Uh, I didn't like serious stuff. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't watch any of the dramatic shows or any of the dramatic films that, that came out. I, I, I was an avid moviegoer, too. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but only for, for lighthearted, funny stuff. Yeah. Do you remember back, uh, I mean, I remember as a kid watching, some of these shows are very vague in my memory, so it's hard to remember, but like Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, and uh, there was one called Skippy, I think, uh, about a kangaroo. No, the, uh, I did watch The Lone Ranger mm -hmm, yeah. avidly, and I watched the Roy Rogers show avidly, mm -hmm. and when I was about 10, my parents took me to the Roy Rogers Rodeo at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Oh, wow. You must have been thrilled. <laughs> that was very exciting. It was exciting. Huh. And then imagine, and I've had many of these circles close in my life. Decades later, I got to know Roy Rogers in day 11. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. 
and and of course he 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 crossed the lines movies and tv of course well yes he like uh, uh like gene autry yeah uh saw the handwriting on the wall that uh movie movie going was starting to drift uh the numbers were shrinking and uh television was where it was all happening so they, they didn't wait long. They they hopped on that bandwagon. Also, they had as their example Hopalong Cassidy, because mm-hmm. William Boyd, the star of the Hoppy movies, he and his wife bought back the rights to all the films he had made since the 1930s, and he became a genuine pop culture phenomenon mm-hmm. in the early 50s. He was on the cover of Life magazine. Mm-hmm. He, he had his name and likeness on 1,500 products. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> So he, he kind of blazed a trail for Roy and Gene and the other cowboys. Wow. Huh. That's, that's amazing that, the, you know, I mean, nowadays promotion like that is, is pretty common. But back there, he, he must have been, you know, guiding the way. Like I said, he, he was as big as the Beatles. I mean, he, he was that big. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very big deal. I got to see him ride on his horse Topper in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade one year. Hmm. <laughs> And then later became very friendly with his wife, Grace Bradley, yeah. who lived a long, happy life into her 90s. Hmm. Now, of all the people that, I mean, you know, your career, you've, you've done so much and seen so many people. But is there anybody that you have met over the years that you were just so thrilled to meet? All of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to be coy or vague. Uh, but uh, I'm not blasé about any of the the people I got to meet from the old character actors who weren't big stars, but were part of that golden age of Hollywood. I love them. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'll admit that uh, getting to interview Catherine Hepburn in her townhouse on the east side of Manhattan, that was a pretty special day. As far as TV shows, we'll go with the TV first. Um, what what do you enjoy? What's what's the TV show that that is the one you cannot steer away from if you see it on uh, old or new, which whichever. Oh well, I think I memorized most of Broad Serling's Twilight Zone mm-hmm. episodes. I don't revisit them too often, but when I do, I'm always glad I did. That show had great meaning to me, mm-hmm. and uh, and still does. Uh, the, um, I, you know, I look at a lot of stuff. I I still watch a lot of DVDs and Mm Blu-rays because some of these non-mainstream things, uh, still come out in those media. And, uh, so you don't have to stream something off one of those services and get to get to see them. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so I discovered TV shows I didn't even know about the first time around. Mm-hmm. And that's always fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times, that's, that's why I, too, have a, a large video collection and DVDs and everything. A lot of times, the streaming services don't have some of those, those little gems that, you know, maybe were a season or sometimes not even a full season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not getting rid of any of my discs. Uh, they take up far too much room, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't trust the streaming services and I don't trust the cloud. Mm, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, 
because my taste runs to the offbeat. And just because one time somebody managed to put out a, uh, an obscure 1930s movie or a forgotten 1950s TV show on disc doesn't mean it's always going to be available. Right, exactly. And uh, if I have my own actual copy, physical copy, I hope that will uh, withstand the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And and you, uh, we talked about you know who you were thrilled to talk to and interview, but um, uh, I, I take it that uh, you haven't written a book on the Twilight Zone, right? No, I have not. Other people have written definitive books on mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but you did do so some on Disney a lot. Were you a, a big fan of Disney? Oh yes. See, Disney, Disney invaded and infected my life. That sounds negative, not infected. <laughs> Let me, let's start that again. He, he became a part of my DNA, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, when I was four or five years old because I started watching him uh, hosting his weekly TV series mm-hmm. and simultaneously would wait to get home from school to watch the Mickey Mouse Club every day. Yeah. And, and the shows I liked the best that Mr. Disney did, and no one called him Mr. Disney, but I never met him, uh, uh, were the ones where he took us behind the scenes. Oh, yes. And, and showed us uh, some of his own history, how they made the first sound cartoon, how they made the first color cartoon, how they prepared to make their first feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I just couldn't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. And I remain a Disney, a Disney-holic today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they, so many great films, especially, I mean, the new ones are good, too, but uh, the old ones are just so good, and it, it's amazing yeah. how they could do what they did. I know. They have a special place in my heart. And I later wrote a book about Walt Disney called The Disney Films, mm-hmm. and another one on the history of animation, American animation, called Of Mice and Magic. And I got to meet, I was too late to meet Mr. Disney, unfortunately, one of the great regrets of my life. But uh, I got friendly with his daughter, Diane, uh, who passed away much too soon, and, uh, and his granddaughter, uh, one of his granddaughters, and his son-in-law, Ron Miller, who took over the studio after he, he passed away. And a lot of the animators and story men and character designers uh, who made all that history, mm-hmm. not just Disney history, but animation history. Yeah. And I got to talk to them and meet them, and in some cases get to know them fairly well. Uh, how lucky am I? Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are, you know, these are people who actually were making history. They didn't see it that way. They were just doing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but along the way, they they built uh, the the path that uh, 
everyone else follows, uh, whether it's Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy or the folks who make The Simpsons. Uh, you know, there's there's a through line mm-hmm. uh, from from the earliest cartoons. Those cartoons, those modern cartoons, are sort of anti-cartoons. They're 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 um, self-aware, and they make fun of the fact that they are cartoons. They acknowledge the fact that they're cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what Walt Disney and his uh, contemporaries did is something that will live forever, I think. Yeah. You know, if I remember right in my research, you, you did get to, to meet and talk with Frank and Ollie, right? Yes, I did. I, I mean, on, I would just be blown on away. On many occasions. <laughs> on many occasions. Uh, and they were, they were wonderful. They were rare because they were great artists who were also great communicators. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, but they had that gift. Just as, you know, Robert De Niro is one of the greatest actors alive, uh, but uh, uh, usually a poor interview because he's nervous. He's uncomfortable in front of a TV camera. Really? Now, mind you, mind you, I think if you interview him for a newspaper or a magazine article, you get good stuff. He's articulate. He's very bright. And he's very articulate. I've interviewed him on a number of occasions, and I had 30 years ago, I had the chance to talk to him and Al Pacino together. I was the first one to ever get them together on camera hmm. for the movie Heat. And the reason they both agreed is that they had both met me and been interviewed my, by me before, and they felt comfortable with me. Ah, yeah. And so uh, De Niro was almost talkative. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Underscore almost. But uh, uh, I have a very rare photo uh, I interviewed them. They were sitting in chairs, adjacent chairs, and we had a camera uh, on them and a camera behind them on me. This is for Entertainment Tonight. Mm -hmm. And the minute our time was up, our limited time was up, I threw my camera. There weren't iPhones then. I threw my camera uh, at our intern, and I said, take a picture. So I raced behind their two chairs, and they obligingly posed. And I said, shoot one more. And he's about to shoot one more. And at that moment, Robert De Niro says, cheese. <laughs> and, and we all cracked up. <laughs> so not only do I have a photo of me with the, those two gentlemen, but we're all laughing. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I think that constitutes a rare photo. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so uh, as far as Walt Disney, all the pictures he's done, do you have a favorite well, I think his masterpiece is Mary Poppins. It's kind of the culmination of all the lessons he learned about filmmaking, uh, storytelling, visual effects, animation. It all comes together in this incredible package of entertainment. Uh, of the animated films, I think my, my, my favorite is Dumbo. Dumbo, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Makes me cry every time. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you? What's your opinion on them making that into a live-action movie? I wish they wouldn't. Mm. I know. It, I know Tim. I know Tim Burton is doing it, and I admire Tim Burton, and uh, I hope it turns out well. I don't want it to be bad. You know, I don't, I'm not rooting for failure. Right. But I just wish they'd stop regurgitating all of these these older properties mm-hmm. and do something fresh. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's it. I don't know what Hollywood is. I mean, I mean, I know what they're doing. The money is <laughs> what it is. But yeah, follow the money. <laughs> I saw a bus go by yesterday here in L.A. with a big ad for Magnum PI. Yes. But is there anything they they're not going to revive? Yeah. I know. Well, I'm sure you've heard the, about it, and I've told our audience in previous interviews that I've had with other people. But you know, you you see they're they're doing all redoing all the Norman Lear old shows, All yep, in the Family, yep. and and, yep. and 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 also Alf. They're going to redo that, and I mean, it's just I know. it's well. I, in fairness, I did see a couple of episodes of the new One Day at a Time, and it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Norman Lear is not just lending his name; he's a he's a hands-on producer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I always thought even when I see movies that do that, that, that remakes or, or anything like that, why not just call it another movie? You know, it, it, I, I know they're doing it for the money to, to live off the money, but you know, like you I say, know. it's not the same show. <laughs> I know. Well, we, if 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 we had power, <laughs> if you and I had clout, we might do something about it. But I think we just have to. Swim with the tide, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's just the, they've done a lot of uh, everything. Seems to be a remake. That's 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 what they're doing now. Yes. Yeah. And what's funny is that some of them flop. It's not a guarantee of success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find that very interesting when that happens. You remember several years ago they did a new Footloose. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I went to see it, and it wasn't bad, mm-hmm. and the cast was likable. But it was kind of a replica of the first movie, and nobody went to see it. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that even young people, the kind of young people who might theoretically be interested in it, already knew the original. They'd seen it on cable TV or on DVD or wherever it was, mm-hmm. and they felt no need to see another one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's just, you know, leave it alone. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It was what good. A concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good as it was, you know. Yep. <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't know. They just uh, and if listen, if you were a filmmaker, would you want to take on a remake of a of a classic or or well loved movie uh, and know that you're going to be compared to that movie? The, uh, I mean, that's that's just you know that's just uh, asking for trouble, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, seems, they, seems like a exercise in masochism yeah i mean they did just recently there ben-hur yes it's like wow oh, and the, the, <laughs> the critics got out there their long knives on that one i didn't think it was so bad actually mm-hmm. but uh uh but i you know i didn't feel a crying desire to see another ben-hur right yeah, yeah. is there any movie that you've seen that I mean, most of the time, I presume you're watching the whole movie when you go see a movie. I mean, I've, I've sat through oh, yeah. a lot of bad movies, but I always want to see the end to see, you know, how it turns yeah. out. Well, I, I don't walk out. <laughs> if I'm there, if I go to a screening or if I go to my local movie theater, uh, I'm there to the bitter end. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I went, and my wife usually comes with me, but she didn't feel like going this particular night. And I went to see Zoolander 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I had no reason to expect anything awful out of that. I saw the original movie with Ben Stiller, and it was it was amusing. Mm-hmm. I think it was great, but it was it was fun. And this film, about 20 minutes in, I started muttering to myself because <laughs> I, I disliked it so much. 
And I, I sat for another five or 10 minutes, which I shouldn't have. I finally said, you know, life's too short. And I did walk out <laughs> and I went home and turned on the computer and typed my review, which was headlined, why I walked out of Zoolander 2. Hmm. Because I couldn't <laughs> review the movie. I hadn't seen the whole movie. Mm -hmm. So instead I had to explain what led up to me walking out of this terrible movie. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty bad when you have to walk out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And by the way, because these things could capture attention, that got more hits than most of my regular movie reviews. Really? Yeah. Wow. People like controversy. People like you yeah. know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the train wreck. They want they want to see. But, yeah, and there's and there's an awful lot of it online right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I normally try to stay away from that kind of writing. Mm -hmm. But like in this case, I felt it was the only honest thing to do. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your What's your opinion as far as the worst movie ever made? Oh, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> but the one I usually cite is Stephen King's uh, uh, Maximum Overdrive. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. It's a story about de demonic trucks. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this is one that he directed. Yes. Uh, and he said he directed it because he was tired of other people taking his stories and novels and spoiling them mm -hmm. on screen. But he had no one to blame for this one but himself. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't one of the. It wasn't The Shining or anything like that. <laughs> no, not on not on that level at all. Huh. Now, now that's the negative side. But what about the the positive side? What What do you feel is the best movie? Well, that's hard. Uh, see, I love old movies. I'm I'm prejudiced toward old movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and my all time favorite movie is Casablanca. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't apologize for saying that, but I just have to put it in context. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite movie. I saw it for the first time when I was in my mid-teens at a Bogart revival in a theater in Manhattan. So I saw it the right way the first time on a big screen with a simpatico audience. And I fell in love, and I've never fallen out of love. In fact, I keep noticing things about it that I, I hadn't seen before. Yeah. I wrote an article about that. I have a new book out called Hooked on Hollywood. And it's an anthology of my writings dating back to my teens. Wow. And in just recent years, I wrote an article about all the music of Casablanca. Now, we all know As Time Goes By is featured in the film. And you may remember Julie Wilson sings a novelty song called Knock on Wood. And so there are a few things that stand out. But when I was flipping channels and came upon it one night, I said, wait a minute. They're playing... Cole Porter's Love for Sale in the background and they're playing It Had to Be You and I realized there was all this other music and there had to be a story behind that and that's the story I researched and, and wrote up. That's amazing and uh, now, speaking of, of doing research and everything uh, did you know about the uh, the digging up of the, the Sphinx and things in Santa Barbara or near Santa Barbara? About oh, yes. Well, that's been going on for 20, 25 years. Oh, it has. I, this, I had just heard yeah. about it a year or so ago. Well, they, well, you, you heard about it because they finally finished a documentary. Yes. Called yeah. The Lost City of Cecil B. DeMille. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yes, it, it's an amazing thing. He built these fantastic sets uh, near the coastline. 
in central California, and then they uh, left them there. Hmm. And over the years, they've been buried, you know, by, you know, the shifting sands, literally. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, wind storms and whatnot. And so it may seem silly to have an architectural dig for something that isn't genuinely an antiquity or a series of antiquities, but it's, it's movie history. Oh yeah. And, and that's very appealing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I heard about that, it was like, wow, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just amazing that, 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 like you say, movie history right there. That's, yep. It's really something. There's so many other things we could talk about because you, you know, (laughs) you know so much about films, so (laughs) who else to ask? I mean, (laughs) But, uh, Leonard, uh, have you been to the Lorinda Theater at all? Have you ever been there? No, I'm very, I'm very uh, excited to get to see it and to be there. And they're giving me an award, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this very is generous a, of them. a classic theater. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have an appreciation for the old classic theaters. And, you know, was... I love them. And, and I, I, whenever I travel, whenever my wife and I travel, we seek them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're a dying breed. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. But some of them survive, and some of them even thrive mm-hmm. as performing arts centers. Usually, yeah. Uh, but some of them still include movies in their programming, and that's great. Yeah. Well, Leonard, I, I normally end my show asking people what their favorite TV shows and movies are, but we've covered that, so <laughs> I won't go in that direction. But uh, once again, what was the name of your new book that people can get? It's called Hooked on Hollywood, uh, Experiences from, from a Lifetime of Film Fandom. Great. And it's, uh, it's online. It's in actual brick-and-mortar bookstores, <laughs> mm-hmm. anywhere you buy books. Yeah. And uh, you talked about your, uh, your writings. Uh, as far as your reviews, they're online, I, I take it, at your website? At my website, every Friday I post new movie reviews, and I also write about, I do surveys of new DVDs, usually of DVDs of the kind of thing we were discussing, old and odd (laughs) Mm -hmm. material, and I review, I do surveys of film books, new film books, I write about festivals I attend, and that's all at leonardmalton.com. Great. People can check it out. I'll put a link when we post this up. uh... Thank you, and when when you go there on the homepage... You'll also find a hot link to my weekly podcast, Malton on Movies, which I host with my daughter, Jessie. Oh, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been an honor to have you on here, Leonard, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. My pleasure. Thank you. Always nice to talk to a fellow film buff. What can I say? Leonard Malton, right here on On Screen and Beyond. A big thank you going out to him for sharing with us and talking film with us and everything else. And you can check him out at the California Independent Film Festival. He's going to be there. He's getting an award. And uh, he's just a great guy. Be sure to be there and uh, go to... uh, California Independent Film Festival, and you can check it all out and find out all the information. Just Google it online, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be there, and uh, be sure to say hi for me. And that's it. That is a wrap for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, we will once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.